This is episode number 16. We are talking about just marketing language and how your words matter. Have you ever been offended by the way something was worded in an ad, in a social media post, or on a website? Has anyone ever let you know that your words offended them? The words you use in your marketing matter. Your choice of words has the power to exclude, welcome, offend, or lift up. The way you speak to people can be the most impactful thing. You have the choice to disrupt or to support systems of oppression with your marketing language. As someone running a business as a force for good, your marketing language is an essential consideration. Over the last 15 years, 92% of population growth in the United States came from communities of color. These underrepresented groups are looking to see themselves and their worldviews in your branding. With this rapidly growing population, we're seeing three out of four Gen Z consumers say that they are willing to boycott a business if it discriminates against marginalized populations. One reason why it's more important than ever to use inclusive language. So what exactly is inclusive language? Inclusive language in marketing means that you are communicating with intention so as to not exclude, offend, or stereotype your audience members based on their race, gender identity, abilities, age, or any other identifying characteristic. It means taking into consideration the correct language to use so that your prospective clients know that they're included as a part of your ideal client. And I'm not just talking about your marketing efforts. We need to use inclusive language on a personal level as well that will then translate into your professional life. So as you're marketing your business, you need to consider what messages you're sending to your audience with the words that you use. Who is being included, excluded, and or offended? And who might be harmed by your choice of language? These are all important questions to ask yourself as you plan marketing campaigns, post content online, update your website, and just generally practice just marketing. All right, first of all, we need to acknowledge that using inclusive language is challenging and it takes effort. It's challenging because language is always evolving. Meanings of terms, phrases, and words change over time. There are things that you and I said in high school or heard in high school that were more or less accepted. And right now, those same things are thought to be very offensive slurs because language changes. Awareness is expanding. Marketing language that was acceptable a few years ago may no longer be acceptable. And the parameters of inclusive language are constantly evolving. Secondly, inclusive language is on a spectrum. So while you are likely already avoiding some obviously derogatory terms, there are so, some more subtly harmful words that we need to examine. There may be meanings of common words or phrases that you're unaware of yet the impact of those terms is real. Because there's no single set of rules for inclusive language, in some cases there are conflicting opinions within impacted communities about what language is and is not acceptable. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that later. 
Your best guidelines come from listening to the people who are affected by your words, understanding historical and cultural contexts, and expanding your awareness. In other words, we need to do our best <laughs> and then remain open to updates and corrections as we go. It's important to remember that we're going to make mistakes. And the most important thing we need to do is to continue learning and listening to our audience and correct the mistakes that we make along the way. Just Marketing is here to help you avoid unintentionally doing harm with a few simple guidelines for inclusive marketing language that can get you started. Joining the movement of other business owners implementing inclusive language is what will propel this initiative. When we know the accepted backgrounds of words and phrases, that is the first step. And there are four major guidelines to follow to make sure that we're on track to using inclusive language all the time. Number one, we want to use gender neutral language. You want to avoid using terms that assume somebody's gender. So for example, we don't want to use she, her. We don't want to use the term guys. Um, using something like mailman, fireman, congressman. Instead, we want to use gender neutral terms such as they, them mail carrier, member of Congress, things like that, firefighter. Secondly, I recommend using person-first language. A person-first approach avoids equating people with their disabilities. So instead, it centers on their humanity as a person first. So for example, instead of saying a blind person, which starts with their disability and follows with the word person, you would say a person with blindness or a person who is blind. So it starts with acknowledging their humanity and then follows with, um, with the description of their disability. It's important to note that there is a wide range of perspectives on this person-first approach. Members of some communities, such as the deaf community and autistic communities, actually prefer identity-first language. Brianne Leeson is a great example. She prefers to be called autistic over being called a person with autism, as she explains in an episode of the Familypreneur podcast. She said that she strongly identifies with her diagnosis and feels greater comfort with identity-first language. So which one is the right way? Well, I've adopted a philosophy of do less harm after a conversation I had with Amy Matos in an episode of Familypreneur. Based on my experience and knowledge, a person-first approach does less harm overall in most cases. I have personally chosen to default to person-first language unless I'm corrected. Of course, when it comes to individuals, I honor everybody's preferences and do my best to use whatever language they prefer. The third thing we want to talk about is tokenization. We want to make sure we're never highlighting um, a part of someone's identity unless it is relevant. So disabilities and identities are often mentioned when those attributes have nothing to do with the actual story that's being told. That includes race, gender, age, religion, and any other identity. So if it's not pertinent to the post or testimonial or ad or whatever content it is you're creating, then leave it out, all right? If that person's disability or identity is not important, it's not contextually important, then we don't need to mention it. Fourth is kind of a big umbrella, but we want to avoid problematic language. So we want to make sure we're doing our best to avoid words and phrases that are racist, ableist, homophobic, or otherwise support the oppression of people based on their identity. This may sound like an obvious statement, but there are a lot of common terms 
that are problematic. Ableist language includes terms or references that treat people with disabilities as victims or reinforce discrimination. So examples of that include using the word lame, the phrase turn a blind eye, or calling someone crazy. Kim Clark, who is a diversity, equity, and inclusion communications consultant, offers examples of phrases to avoid around race and ethnicities, such as, we don't want to call a meeting a powwow, and we don't want to talk about the peanut gallery. Terms like thug and ghetto also reinforce socioeconomic stereotypes. So we want to try not to use those phrases and to use some more inclusive phrases instead. As we mentioned before, what is and is not considered problematic is always changing. So we just have to do our best and be open to learning, to be open to criticism and be open to changing the way that we say things going forward. As we mentioned earlier, you're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. Even one of my favorite performers, Lizzo, makes mistakes. So earlier this year, Lizzo provided a great example of how to show leadership when you mess up. She had used an ableist word in a song, and when she faced criticism, she acknowledged it, she re-recorded the song, and she made a public apology. If you need more ideas on how to take ownership of mistakes and remedy them, you can see episode number four on what to do when you mess up. Most importantly, though, if somebody in a marginalized community tells you that something you've said or a word that you've used is offensive, believe them. Your words matter. 